Car trouble and car questions can cause a lot of stress for drivers. For some, learning how to maintain a car is a bit of a mystery. And when it comes to needing repairs, things can get expensive and confusing. Kaya Milstein is a Milwaukee-based automotive educator, social media influencer, and writer who's working to make cars less complicated, especially for women and queer people. She creates educational content on social media and on her blog, Mechanic Shop Femme, to give car owners easy-to-understand information. Milstein joins WUWM's Eric Von Fellow Nadia Kelly to talk about car myths, sexism in the automotive industry, and her new book. On the internet, you go by Mechanic Shop Femme. And I was just wondering, what is Mechanic Shop Femme? What type of topics do you talk about underneath that name? So Mechanic Shop Feb was my handle on Instagram when I started my blog. I thought a lot about it and I was like, oh, what should I call it? I want to make sure that I bring my whole self to this work because working in shops, it's not exactly um, the most welcoming or enjoyable environment to work in, especially as a fat queer woman. So I wanted to make sure whatever I did was going to bring all parts of me into the job. So mechanic shop because I talk about car repairs and femme because that's what I am and I sort of put it together. And I primarily cover automotive ownership from every angle. So from buying a car to selling the car to insuring the car to car maintenance, how to find a mechanic and everything in between if it involves regular people going about their daily lives with their regular vehicle. That's what I'm about. Did you previously work as a mechanic? I worked for about seven and a half years in the repair and collision industry. I primarily worked a customer-facing job where I worked with the people who came in to fix their cars. So I was like the intermediary, or how I like to put it is like the mechanic interpreter. So I would take the information the customer gave me to the mechanic, and then I would bring that information back to the customer. Is this what initially sparked your passion for um, car ownership, um, stuff like that? When I started in the automotive industry, I did not know anything about cars. I used to say I didn't know a bumper from an oil change, and it was 100% true. In fact, when I interviewed for the job, I interviewed for a job at Sears department store, and then they asked me what department I wanted to work in, and like a true Capricorn, I said, whichever one makes the most money. (laughs) (laughs) They offered automotive or appliances, and automotive sounded more interesting. So, of course, they followed up with, so do you have a driver's license? And my answer was no. Did not have a driver's license. Got my driver's license for the job at Sears Auto Center, the the one that used to be in Glendale and Bayshore. And then I started, and it kind of just ended up being a natural fit. Like, it certainly wasn't something that I thought I was going to do long term. I thought this was a job where I was going to make enough money to put a roof over my head. You know, I had just aged out of the foster care system and I was, I needed work. It was 2013. There wasn't a huge amount of jobs available. My experience didn't serve me in any kind of like customer service or restaurant types of jobs. I couldn't even get interviews there. So just getting this job was huge. And once I got it, kind of like the rest was history, as they say. What was it that you liked so much about this experience? If you've ever heard like an English teacher or math teacher say, you know, they live for the light bulb moment where they're teaching something to their students and 
it doesn't make any sense to them. And then all of a sudden, click, you know, the light bulb goes off and you can see it in their eyes like, oh, I understand now. Like, this makes sense. That was kind of how it was for me. Uh, So that's definitely one element to it. But it's also just bringing this basic information. Like, I'm not teaching you how to take apart your car or any kind of fancy information. I'm bringing the basics that everybody should know that they should have been taught, that they were often not taught because they were queer and their parents were worried about making them unqueer instead of setting them up to survive in life or because they were women and their parents didn't think that that information was appropriate to teach them or important to teach them. And I want to bring this basic knowledge to everyday consumers because when you go into the shop and you come in and you already expect the worst and you already think that everybody is going to scam you, I'm trying to show people how to navigate through the challenges that are there, giving them the tools necessary to better understand their cars, to better understand mechanics, to know what kind of questions to ask. Things that make people's lives easier and better. In most of this country, we have to have a car in order to have access to better job opportunities, be able to take on more jobs. I remember when I was 18, I um, I didn't have a driver's license and I didn't have a car, and I was trying to find a job. And my foster parents lived in Glendale in an area which wasn't accessible by bus. And it was very complicated and very difficult. And I strongly believe that getting that first car really helped me move out of poverty. If I wouldn't have had that opportunity to take on more jobs, to go further away, to be able to have access to these to these career opportunities, then I wouldn't have gotten to my next step. And for a lot of people, it's like that. Could you tell me more about just like the type of impact that you want to have with the way you educate people about cars, especially as it relates to inclusivity. Have you ever heard of blinker fluid? No. Okay. A common thing that most people who don't know anything about cars hear from mechanics and car people and YouTube videos is blinker fluid. Blinker fluid is nonsense. It doesn't exist. It's been invented by the gatekeeping car bros and car enthusiasts and industry people to make fun of people who want to know more about their car, who want to fix their car. So they'll be like, oh, don't forget to replace your blinker fluid or other kind of stuff. But blinker fluid doesn't exist. It's fake. It doesn't exist because people think it's funny, but it's not funny because it is the it's like the word that's like the tip of the iceberg that's wrong with the industry. Right. I approach my work, my book, my videos, all elements of what I do by trying to think of how it will impact the most amount of people and how I can be inclusive to the most amount of people, particularly to the people that have not been included in these conversations and in these education opportunities and in this industry historically since the beginning of time. Wow. Thanks for sharing that example for me. I think it really clarifies how your work is countering the existing frustrations that people encounter when they're trying to learn about something. One of the most impactful articles I feel like I've written um, over the last couple of years is an article about sexism in the automotive industry and how it's impacting the number of mechanics available to repair cars. Because think about it, if you go into a shop 
as a queer person or as a woman or as a person of color, because that's a whole other conversation to have. If you go into the shop as a marginalized person and you're treated like crap, the likelihood that you will then go enter that industry or you'll talk to your friends or siblings or children about entering that industry is pretty much none. And we have a massive shortage of mechanics in this country at this moment, huge shortage. There's not enough people to fix cars, and mechanics don't work to the same age that many other industries do because of the impacts on your body that this type of work has. So there's a shortage, and that shortage is only getting bigger. And that shortage could be simply fixed by including over 50% of the population that is now being excluded from those opportunities. So I wrote an article about that talking about experiences of sexism that people have had while working in shops. If you're a woman and you walk into a shop and you're treated poorly or oversold products or you aren't explained services and stuff like that. Now imagine how it is to work as a woman in those same places. So if shops become better for their employees, they will also become better for their customers and vice versa. Thinking about the work that you're doing in educating, you are currently in the process of writing a book? I am thankfully done. (laughs) Done writing the book. The book is available for pre-order now. It comes out on April 9th. Could you tell us a little bit about what someone could expect to find if they pick up the book? Sure. So the book is like putting the last decade of my automotive experience into one concise, easy to read, easy to understand guide to car ownership. This is not intended to be the only part of your car ownership experience. Like it's intended to be used in conjunction with a good mechanic and things like that. Um, And it starts by telling you how to buy a car and then moving into how to insure that car, and then how to find a mechanic for that car, and then how to maintain that vehicle, what maintenance you should do yourself, what maintenance you should do at the mechanic. Well, obviously you could do whatever maintenance you want by yourself, but given the people who will be reading my book, most people will be more interested in that. So let's say you know your old car is kind of on its last legs, there's a lot of problems with it, and you are deciding whether you need to replace it. You go to the section where I talk about how to decide if it's time to move on. And then you make your decision at the end of that. And then you could go to the chapter where how to sell your car. And then you could go to the chapter on how to buy another vehicle. And it all kind of works hand in hand. You said this a little bit earlier about how you really like helping people have those light bulb moments. I was really curious if you had A memorable light bulb moment where you were giving someone advice and everything became really clear to them. Sometimes I make videos about stuff that people have heard exactly the opposite information and share, like, why this is necessary. For example, my brand partner, iFixit, sponsored a video on winter car myths, like, all kinds of stuff related to winter because, you know, especially in Wisconsin, but anywhere where it's cold, people have a lot of things that they've heard over the years that they need to do with their car, don't need to do with their car when it's cold because cold weather and car breakdowns really scare people. So often these things are rooted in a bit of truth, but they have at some point lost their truth to them. The one that people really are like, oh my God, what is warming up your car? You don't need to warm up your car. It's not necessary. It was 
warming up your car was something that was necessary when you had carbureted vehicles. So like the early 90s. For the most part, cars today do not need to be warmed up. You turn your car on, you put your seatbelt on, by that time 30 seconds elapses and you are good to go. There's no reason for you to continue warming up your vehicle. In fact, sitting in your car and idling your vehicle or letting your car idled in the driveway while you're sitting in your house is bad for the environment. Here's the misconception with people. One group of people have been told they have to warm up their car for their engine and it's terrible to do it otherwise. And another group of people thinks warming up your car is for your comfort and not for the car. And of course, you can do whatever you need to do for your comfort. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about warming up the car for the sake of the car. Not necessary. So lots of light bulb moments around that. Now I'm sort of reflecting on all that I've been told about cars and how much of it may or may not be accurate. Why do you think that there is so many myths out there that people don't think twice about checking if it's accurate or not? Misogyny, racism, homophobia. They're so busy trying to gatekeep cars from more than half the population that if a man says something, then obviously the man is right. And the worst part of all of this is that most of the time, the man is wrong because these things negatively impact men, too. It doesn't just people think, oh, sexism, it's just about the women or racism. It's just about the people of color. No, these things impact every single person. When you block half the population from automotive knowledge, you are also blocking every single man that doesn't know anything about cars because now cars are tied to your masculinity. If you ask a question about cars to your mechanic and it's a silly question, then you are looked at as less of a man or you might feel like you're less of a man because you're going to ask this question. But that hurts you too. So you pick up some myths from somebody, you hear something on the internet, you don't ask clarifying questions, then you teach your kids that and you teach your spouse that. People say my book's for teenagers. It is, but it's also not. It's for Women in their 50s and 60s that have recently gotten divorced or their spouses have passed who've never taken their car in for an oil change. It's for queer folks and women who never had the opportunity to learn these types of subjects or they learned them from somebody who didn't know what they were talking about. Perpetuating this, you know, these continued myths. And it's for men. It's for men who don't feel like they can ask the questions, that they don't feel like they have the information because it's emasculating. Kaya Milstein is an automotive educator and the author of Mechanic Shop Femme's Guide to Car Ownership. She spoke with WUWM's Eric Bond fellow, Nadia Kelly. You can find a link to Milstein's blog at wuwm.com.